again. Do you have your Bibles with you? Get your Bibles out. And uh, let's talk about some things that have to deal with end times again. And tonight we got a, a most interesting lesson because it's the one that everybody kind of wants to know about. You know, up to this point, you remember my little timeline? And uh, we've talked about now this seven-year period, church age, which is where we are at the moment. There comes this moment that we move into this tribulation period. It is cut in two, three-and-a-half-year periods. This first three-and-a-half, there are some difficulties. Seals are opened, as we talked about last time, seven seals. Well, that's six of them right there. Seven seals are open. That seventh seal has seven angels blowing seven trumpets. We talked about last time how I'm of the opinion that somewhere right in here Jesus comes and receives his people because we find that from that last trumpet there are seven bowls of wrath that are poured out, and the Bible says that you and I are not appointed to wrath. And so obviously we are out at that particular point, but it is here that the Antichrist is revealed in his fullness. He's not just this, you know, up to this point, he's kind of been this interesting, probably political world figure that has a lot of influence. He has a lot of good ideas. Um, he seems to have a lot of influence. His, his notoriety is increasing. Bad things are happening. He may be causing some of those bad things as well as suggesting cures for that. And all through this time period, his notoriety is increasing, increasing, increasing until something happens, the Bible tells us, and I'll read this in just a moment in Revelation 13, that uh, whether he's shot or whether he's hurt, it talks about a mortal head wound. And then he's, he is miraculously and supernaturally brought to life again and it is at this moment, at about the halfway mark, at that three-and-a-half-year period, that he begins to perform incredible supernatural feats. I mean, up to this time, he's, he's, a, he's got political finesse. He's got maybe wisdom beyond some natural experiences, but, but pretty much you can write it off to just being a gifted, skilled, or talented human being. But when we get to this part, there's something different that takes place. We're going to read that in Revelation 13. So if you have your Bibles, you can open up to that. And I want to read that to you because it is here we begin to see something that's interesting to a lot of people. And we're going to talk tonight about what I've been asked about several times. Are you ever going to talk about it? I'm going to talk about it tonight. Have you ever heard of the mark of the beast? Six, six, six. All right. We're going to talk about that tonight. And we're going to show you where that's found in the scriptures. Revelation 13, forgive me, I'm going to read this chapter to you. I know it's 18 verses, bear with me. But I just didn't know where to start and where to stop. So let's just hear the whole thing and uh, get it under our belt. And then I'm going to come back and untangle some things here for you. Chapter 13, verse 1, John writes, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard, 
His feet were like the feet of a bear, and his mouth was like the mouth of a lion. The dragon gave him his power, his throne, and great authority. And I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world marveled and followed the beast. So they worshipped the dragon, who gave authority to the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like the beast who is able to make war with him? And he was given a mouth, speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. That is three and a half years. All right? Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God, and to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle, and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him. Underscore that. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If anyone has an ear, let him hear. He who leads in captivity shall go into captivity. He who kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. He's talking in verse 10 of this particular time period. He's saying you can be saved, but it's probably going to cost you your life. That's what he's saying here at this particular point. Verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb, spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. He performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. I've read that verse, and I've become convinced that that's talking about a false Pentecost. Fire from heaven. A false Pentecost. He, he is, he is going to be slick. Aren't you glad you won't be here? I'll say that again. I, I, I don't want you to be here. All right? If you're here, you're making choices. Please don't make those choices. Verse 14. And he deceives those who dwell on the earth by those signs which he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image of the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. There you have your, some of your tribulation martyrs, your tribulation saints. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. There it is. So let's talk about the mark of the beast. Now, there are several characteristics. I believe I put it on the screen overhead that we need to get straight as we sort of move our way through all of this veiled prophetic language. The first thing you need to understand is the dragon. When you hear the dragon, in fact, he actually shows up in Revelation 12, but the dragon is Satan himself. He is the force behind the scenes. While you hear some of the dragon in Revelation 12 and 13, a, a lot of times you don't see any more of that. Why is that? Because he is the force behind the scenes. He is seen in Revelation 12 persecuting the woman. Now, I honestly believe that the woman, many interpret that to mean Israel. It indeed probably includes Israel. But I also believe it has to deal 
with those who are tribulation saints as well. He is persecuting those who, um, uh, who are godly and who want to live godly, and, and the dragon comes in order to do that. Now, the dragon brings forth another one that we read here called the beast. The beast is the imagery of the Antichrist himself. It tells us that his authority is derived from Satan, and his job is to point people to worship the dragon. Now, there are many things the Bible tells us. It's, it's somewhat sketchy. You can put a few things together to try to get understanding as to where the Antichrist comes from, who he is. In all likelihood, the Antichrist will be a European. He'll, he'll be a male. Um, he'll probably come out of those ten countries that will form what we now know as the European Union. So it is likely that he will come from that direction. The Bible says that he'll be wounded somehow and then supernaturally resurrected. Now, I'm going to go back to what I mentioned to you several weeks ago about the conversation I had with my son Tyler as we were talking about all that. He said, well, Dad, do you think he's on the earth now? Is he this little kid? Does he know who he is? I mean, you know, is he, is he in Satanism? Is he practicing Satanism? I mean, how, how in the world does all this happen? There could be many, and again, I'm just giving you an opinion, and so your, your opinion, you know, may be better than mine, but, but it, I, I'm willing to believe that in all likelihood, there's, there's this person who is uh, making decisions, much like I think Judas had decisions he could make along the way, and as he's beginning to make these decisions, that we find him slowly and surely, perhaps even slipping into more and more and more satanic activity, until finally when this moment happens, there has to be an infusion of power into his life that raises him up from the dead. He has this mortal wound and suddenly he comes to life again. I believe that at this moment then, he becomes thoroughly, completely, and totally possessed by Satan himself. I, I'm, I'm speculating as to whether or not he's born that way. There, you know, you can go watch Hollywood movies and they'll give you all sorts of interesting theories on that. Uh, but the bottom line is, is that when we get to the middle part, He's thoroughly, completely, and uh, totally possessed, owned. We're not talking about oppressed, possessed by the enemy. And the Bible tells us that he has authority everywhere in the earth. There is no area of life that he does not have authority over at this particular time. Now, it's interesting because as I read through this, it's, it appeared to me that probably the Antichrist, his authority rested mostly in the areas of politics, economics, and finance. How many of you know, he who holds the gold makes the rules? Yeah, if you hadn't learned that yet, then you've got one of those lessons coming. He who holds the gold makes the rules. And so in all likelihood, that is his primary sphere of authority. Now there's this third character that shows up. We'll put it up on the screen. John says he sees a second beast. Obviously, there's some similarities now to the Antichrist, and we have come to know this as the false prophet. He's the sidekick of the Antichrist. The Lone Ranger had Tonto. Sergeant Friday had Officer Gannon. The Antichrist has the false prophet. The false prophet, prophet has been given authority, it seems to me, specifically in the religious sphere. He is the one that is going to begin to exercise authority in the religious sphere 
And he will have power uh, in order to accomplish uh, that which he needs to do. How many of you know there are many, many people, they see a miracle and they're off and running? I mean, you, you do a couple miracles and you can get a crowd. Don't, don't talk to them about truth. Just show them a miracle and they'll show up. And here's what happens. He does miracles and all of a sudden people just go, whoa, wow. I mean, this, 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 he must be the real deal. And he's actually the false prophet. So these are characters that begin to show up. Now let's start talking about, because the most interesting part of the whole chapter is this part that has to deal with this number, 666. What does the Bible tell us about 666? Let me just go ahead, put, it, put those verses, there's a lot of verses that are up there, just run them all up real quick. There are eight specific verses or areas that begin to talk about the mark of the beast. Um, the first two are found in the text that I read to you out of Revelation uh, chapter 13. We see two instances that the mark of the beast is mentioned. As we go through all of this, and I don't know that I'll read all of them to you, the, the, the third one, Revelation 14, 9, it says that a third angel followed, says if anyone worships the beast in his image and receives his mark on his forehead or on his hand, it says that that person will drink of the wrath of God. So that's pretty serious business there. In verse 11, it says something similar. In the middle of the verse, it says, who, it, it says that the smoke of their torment, they'll have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Uh, 15.2 says, I saw something like a sea of glass mingled with fire. Those who have the victory over the beast, over his image and over his mark and over the number of his name, standing on the sea of glass, having harps of God. Revelation 16.2, it talks about, uh, again, uh, his wrath being poured out. Even upon the men who had the mark of the beast, it says that his wrath is poured out. Um, I guess I am going to read all of them to you. 19.20, it says the beast was captured, the false prophet who worked signs in his presence, by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast. There we go. And finally, in chapter 20, verse 4, it says that Suddenly there was judgment, and judgment came upon those. Uh, uh, first off, there was, of course, affirmation to those who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or on their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. And so there's all sorts of inferences that are made here to 666. Now... I want you to notice a couple things here as I go through this, because this will make sense to you. It may be a little tedious, but it'll all come together here in just a moment. Whenever you find his mark being mentioned in the book of the Revelation, there's, there's, there's a couple ways it is mentioned. It is either mentioned as a mark, the mark, his mark, the mark of his name, or the mark of the beast. Now I'll say that again. Either a mark the mark, his mark, the mark of his name, or the mark of the beast. I take time to mention that because to understand 666 is to first understand that this mark is very personal and it's not just any mark, it is his mark. Okay? It is his mark. Now, Revelation 13, 16, and I've already read this to you, but it is the most quoted and misquoted 
verse in the Bible. Listen, listen to this very, very carefully. It says, he causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on, on their right hand or on their foreheads. Now notice the word there, on, on. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who have understanding calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man. His number is 666. So here we have, in Revelation 13, 17, two little interesting words. The first one is on. It says that the mark is on the forehand, the forehead. And there, there are three ways that one can buy or sell. You either have the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Now, as I was reading that, there were just several things that sprung up to me. And one of them is, if you do not have the mark, but you do have a name or a number, it appears that you can still buy or sell. Are you seeing that? It, that at least that's what it appears, that you can still buy or sell. I guess it all depends on how you want to define or. If it means or it's this or this or this, which means the same as this. So that little word or is an, interesting, is an interesting little word to me as to what all that might mean in these particular days. But I've pretty much come to the conclusion, in my opinion, that all three of these things are enveloped or they are a part of this 666 that we're talking about. All right? We miss... When we begin to see all of this, sometimes I think we miss what the real purpose or the real reason for this mark is. And this is probably the key point of the lesson tonight. What is the real reason, the real purpose for the mark? The reason is not just to buy or sell. The reason is not just to buy or sell. I mean, why would God judge so severely just to buy or sell? I mean, think about that for just a moment. There's got to be more to this, and there is, than just buying and selling. The purpose of the mark is allegiance and worship. Those are the two words you can write down. If you want to know about these last days, the key to the mark is allegiance and worship. In fact, there's really only one verse that connects the mark with buying and selling, but there are five verses that connect it with the worship of the beast and the dragon. Now, it is true that you'll not be able to buy or sell, but that is not the consequence, uh, excuse me, but that is the consequence of not receiving the mark, but it's not the reason you receive the mark. The reason is worship. Satan wants what has belonged to God. Remember what I read to you several weeks ago, Isaiah 14? Satan said, I will ascend, I will be like the Most High God. I will go to the high place. And, and Satan, for all of eternity, has wanted this place of worship. He wants what only belongs to God. And so here we are in the last days, and this whole thing is set up in order to solicit worship. Did you notice as I was reading those particular verses, it said, for instance, like in Revelation 14, 11, it says that the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night who worship the beast and his image 
and whoever receives the mark of his name. You just go back and read those verses, those eight verses that I put up there, and you will find over and over again what he's soliciting from them is worship. And when you declare your allegiance and you worship, the Bible tells us that this mark is going to identify you as one of those people. Now, here's a couple questions that are real interesting and I get asked sometimes. Number one, will the mark be invisible? What will this mark be like? Now, there are some who teach that it will be like a biochip implant. And, and I may talk about that in just a moment. And it could be that. However, it says in Revelation 15, 2, and it leads me to believe that whatever this mark is, I believe this, it's going to be loud and proud. That you're going to wear this mark and people are going to know it. The Bible says the mark will be on your forehead or hand. Revelation 24, it says that it was upon their forehead or their hand. So I think to make it invisible really defeats the purpose. Worship is evident. He, he wants evident, uh, evidenced worship. Satan does. It will be seen. In fact, the word for mark actually comes from the Greek karagma, which means an etching, a mark, a stamp, to be impressed something on you. Now, I'm not saying biochip stuff. May or, you know, that may be a feature of all of this, but somehow or another, people are going to be identified clearly that their allegiance and their worship is towards the dragon and the beast. Now, I've also been asked, can you innocently or accidentally, just for the sake of argument, if you get left behind, and here you are, can you innocently or accidentally receive 666? Or what about this whole, this whole time period where we're getting groomed for some of these things? Can you innocently or accidentally receive it? That is a great question, because whenever you get to these questions, there's all sorts of panic that sets in. Some of you may be old enough to remember this, you know, and I've read stories of it, but you know, when Adolf Hitler, and, and you had Hitler, you had Mussolini, you, you had, you know, I don't know who the Japanese emperor was at the time, was it Hirohito or somebody, but anyway, can you imagine during that time period, the world's at war, and all these things are taking place, Hitler's conquering all these Eastern European countries, and you can see all these alliances coming into focus. How many of you know a lot of people thought Adolf was the Antichrist? And then all of a sudden, they decide that it's also the time to put out social security cards. And, and people, I mean, people panicked. They thought that was, some of that was the mark. This must be the beginning of the end. And now, of course, we have, most of us have our social security numbers memorized, and we can rattle it off in a heartbeat. I can remember in the early 80s, some of you will remember, when quick shops got the debit thing. You remember that? The first time you went into a quick shop and you used a debit card, you didn't have to pull out any cash to pay for your gas. I can remember the first time at the quick shop, I was looking at that, and I was thinking, there it is. There it is. It's, 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 it's the mark of the beast. And of course, some believe now, and, and you've heard the stories of the new biochip implants. We're uh, living in a culture now that has created devices that can be locating devices that can be placed under your skin so that you could be found. They use it a lot for tracking animals already. In fact, I was told that there are seven million animals that are already chipped and being tracked. Seven million, can you imagine that, for various purposes. We have the technology right now to create a biochip implant that will last and function for 99 years without having to be changed or, I don't know, you know, 
You don't have to go down to the grocery store and get your D battery or, you know, whatever it is that you need to fix your biochip. You've heard the stories already. Many of you stay up with this. Uh, high Mexican officials are biochipped right now because they have real concerns about being kidnapped and can they be found. And so they've allowed themselves to be biochipped and implanted with these things in order that they could be found by satellite should a kidnapping or something like this take place. Biochips are so small right now that they can be implanted under your skin with a syringe. I mean, technology is somewhat amazing, and it's also, I guess, a little bit scary. Now, I'll just say this. All of these things that are taking place, whether it's your social security cards, your debit cards, whether you're, you're accessing the Internet, I mean, you know, we're all being groomed for a cashless society. I mean, I, I mean, it's a rare thing that I have cash in my pocket. In fact, we'll go to lunch, and the first thing I'll say is, do they take a debit card? I mean, you know, we, we're just living this way. And indeed, it's beginning to condition us to, to, to very easily go into not just a cashless America, we're talking about a cashless world. My son right now in Australia can access accounts in America and get money. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but anyway, it, it's a possibility. But here's another thing, but these are just some things to think about. Think about biochipping. There's, there's some things about biochipping, though, that make me wonder if that's really going to be the mark of the beast. Because if that's true, why not kidnap and cut off the guy's hand so you can access their money? I mean, how would you like to borrow Bill Gates' biochip for a little while? I mean, wouldn't that be? So, so th there are a lot of interesting features uh, to this biochip thing. Let me read you just a couple things. I, I, I pulled some things off, and, and this will be very uh, interesting to you. Listen to this. Uh, there was a guy by the name of Bill Cross, started his own web page. It was a spoof, all right? This was an absolute spoof. But it, he called his webpage the Mark of the Beast. Let me read to you what, he, what it says here. Bill wanted to try his hand at setting up a website. He decided for his first project, a spoof website of a company peddling the Mark of the Beast. So Global Monetary was created with the advertising. Uh, become an ID chip member and receive $250. Not wanting to cause real panic, Bill admitted admittedly laced the site with enough clues so that anyone who scrutinized it would know it wasn't for real and therefore would not panic. But he was surprised. On the first full day of operation, the site, the site had more than 4,200 distinct user sessions averaging six minutes each. Emails began pouring in from hysterical Christians, privacy enthusiasts, the media world requested interviews, and many who recognized it did recognize it simply as a joke. Realizing things were getting out of hand after just four days, Bill pulled the plug on global monetary. But he also made this alarming statement. I realized that I was getting another kind of visitor to the site. People who actually wanted to receive the mark of the beast just to get in on the IPO. I was totally blindsided by that. I never expected that to happen. In other words, they said, yeah, I'll take it for 250 bucks. CNN conducted a poll on January 14, 1999, and asked the question, would you consider having microchips planted in your body? This is the result of the CNN poll. 47% of the people said, yes, we would consider being implanted with one of these microchips. Is that not amazing? Do you not think with all the amber alerts and other things that we have going for missing kids, do you not think it wouldn't be just an easy leap that before a child leaves a hospital, just out of a little syringe, you put a little biochip in them. 
so that if they're ever kidnapped or lost, or how do you keep babies straight in hospitals? I mean, I, I mean just fascinating things to consider. Um, but the question is, can we innocently, ignorantly, or accidentally do this? The Bible says that whatever the mark is, that God is going to pour his wrath out on those who receive it. Now, the question then has to become, will God do that accidentally, ignorantly, or innocently? And personally, I don't think so. And the reason I don't think so is because the mark is linked to allegiance and worship. You just don't accidentally worship. You don't say, oops, I worshiped. Oops, I gave my allegiance. No, these very words, these very words indicate something that is voluntary. You want to do that. Now, I'm not saying that you won't have a lot of pressures put upon your life in order to do that. But I'm simply saying you won't accidentally do that. You will not inadvertently worship the beast. You will not innocently send your allegiance to the Antichrist. You will know exactly who you're worshiping. You say, well, how can that be? I mean, you know, people, you know, even Hollywood has movies about this stuff, and you would think people would be bright enough to catch on. Do you know what the Bible says about last days? It says this. It says, in last days, because of lawlessness, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness. The Bible says that in last days, that there would be a deception loosed in the earth because people would be unwilling to hear the truth. See, here's the deal. You can't cut yourself off to truth and think that you can just be neutral. You've heard me talk about this before. There's no such thing as neutral. I mean, there's no neutral here. And, and if you cut yourself off to hearing in the knowledge of the truth, he says that there'll be strong delusion that will be loosed upon the land, and it, the Bible says that they'll exchange the truth for a lie, and they will believe the lie. Now, let me just share this with you. This is, people don't oftentimes get this, but, but deception, de deception is this. Deception is when you either live a lie, speak a lie, or believe a lie for so long that you embrace it, and the lie becomes your truth. Are you hearing me? Think, think about, Satan is called the father of lies. This is the key to Satan, because you would think, as smart of a being as he must be, that he would have a clue to the fact that he's never going to be like God. He has no chance, no shot, no way is he ever going to be like God. Why doesn't he get that? It's because he has embraced the lie to the point that now he lives in his own alternate universe. Have you ever met people like that? I, they're playing in another ballpark. I mean, you look at them and you say, Where did, what planet did you land from? They're in a different universe. That's called deception. Self-deception. They believe the lie. Now, let me give you just a couple quick opinions, and I really am done. Some people, this is interesting. Did you know that in the Hebrew alphabet, the Hebrew uh, letter W, is, it translates to the number six. So WWW, isn't that interesting? Do you know in the, in the Greek language, the image, the word for image, put that up there. The image of the beast. In the Greek, the Greek word for image is the Greek word icon. Now years ago, we, we wouldn't have thought anything about that, but how many of you now know that probably every day we fool with an icon? 
on a little screen. Isn't that interesting? I think it's interesting. There are some people who think that, that literally those numbers will be tattooed or imprinted. And indeed, that may well be the case. We already purchase food and, and other items at the grocery store through barcodes. And though I don't know a lot about it, they tell me that many of the barcodes are already coded to begin with 666. All of these things, and again, these are just opinions, and I don't have time to read you. I mean, I've got pages of opinions here of everything that people think it could be. But here's the key to all of this. The key to all of this is, number one is we know that when we get to this point, if you're a believer, you're not going to be here. Hallelujah. Praise God. We say, well, then why do I need to know? Why do you teach this stuff? Because you know what? There are going to be some people who are, going to, who are still going to be, that will have heard this stuff and will be here. And the Bible tells us that there will be those in this time period that will open up their hearts to Jesus Christ. And they will be these tribulation martyrs. They will be these tribulation saints. And, uh, and the Lord will receive them. But you need to understand this is going to be a totally cashless society. Um, you know, when we, when we finally have a total cashless society, you're not going to have to worry about fraud. Think about this. How, how, do, how does it one guy, how does this one guy control politically, economically, financially, everything that's going on? How do, you, how, do you, how do you control all of that? Well, somehow or another, you get everybody into a cashless society, however that, however that works, and it all goes through probably a centralized location, maybe a centralized computer. And how do you convince people to do that? You tell them, are you sick and tired of your number being stolen by other people and all this fraud going on? And everyone says, yeah, I'm sick and tired of fraud. Well, we can fix that. How do you, how do you fix all the trade deficits and deficiencies? And how do you fix the inequities of trade and how trade works? Well, you let it all go through a central location. Well, okay, I'm, I'm for that. How many of you know there's not going to be any more bounced checks? Credit can be instantly issued or denied and then it can be controlled. And let me tell you something, this is going to be easy. Because once, once a rapture takes place, and the saints of God, who are the only ones that have any discernment, and even sometimes I wonder about the saints, but, but the saints who have discernment, there won't be anyone here to say, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It's going to be easy for all of this just to be quickly implemented. Add a few signs and wonders, a few miraculous events put a little global economic catastrophe, people are gone, all this is going on, somebody steps up to the plate and says, I've got an answer. And like sheep to a slaughter, you'll watch humanity run after this dude. So how do you keep track? How do you keep track of all that? Well, I'll tell you how we're going to keep track of it. We're going to give everybody a mark. And if they're marked, then we know. Now, um, please, I beg you, don't be foolish. I don't know, I don't know, where, I, I don't know where we are. I mean, I'm, I'm watching things right now that just amaze me as they all come together. A, a one euro dollar. Can you imagine right now how so there are ten nations right now that are in a European Union and they have allowed their currency to slowly disintegrate until they all come to one euro dollar. Can you imagine that? And then, and then can you imagine if we have an economic difficult time as Americans and we have to trade with now this great European Union, how enticing it could be 
to just globally, let's all just get together so this can be controlled from one location. I'm telling you, it is so, so easy. And I am so tempted at this moment to tiptoe over the line a Bible teacher and give you commentary of things I see and hear being said in national debates. But I'm going to fight that right now. I know. Mark of the Beast. Interesting, isn't it? Amen. Stand with me, will you please? I did better tonight. I still went over a little, but it's a little bit better. I'm getting better. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for this night. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are faithful and you are true. Lord, when you inspired John, you said that blessed is he who reads the prophecies of this book. Lord, we read some of this stuff, it's hard to figure out how we get blessed. But then I'm awakened to the fact that somehow or another, it's infused with power to bring people to the knowledge of the truth. And they can be set free while there's still time to do that. So, Spirit of God, would you do right now what I can't do? Would you talk to us, speak to us? Maybe some here tonight need to be drawn, Lord, and we've just been doing this, and I don't really know why on Wednesday, but I just felt like it was you. So, Holy Spirit, in these last moments, would you just draw folks to be honest with you in this moment? To do business with you? And if there's anything, anything, anything at all in their life that's standing between them and you, Lord, would you enable them, empower them to deal with it at this moment and say, I don't want anything between me and Jesus. Nothing, 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 nothing. With every head bowed, every eye closed. That's what I want you to say tonight. I want you to say tonight, you know what? I've got some things that are between me and Jesus and I don't want them there anymore because you know what? When he comes calling, he ain't going to have to look for me. I'm, I'm ready, watching, waiting. I'm I'm there. So I'm dealing with what's in, in front of me right now. And I'm saying, Lord, I'm saying to you right now, I'm dealing with it. I bet you just lift your hand right now and just say, that's me, that's me, that's me. Keep it up. Keep it up. Thank you for put your hands down. The reason I do this is because when you're honest with God, it encourages all of us. And, and it, just, it just speaks.